0: My son, be attentive to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forwards and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the paths of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. My son, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding, that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge. For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to to death. Her steps follow the path to Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander, and she does not know it. And now, O sons, listen to me. Do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her. Do not go near the door of her house. Lest you give your honours to others and your years to the merciless. Lest strangers take their fill of your strength and your labours go in the house of a foreigner. And at the end of your life you groan when your flesh and body are consumed. And you say, how I hated discipline and my heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my instructors. I am at the brink of utter ruin Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman, and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he is held fast in the cords of his sin. He dies for lack of discipline, and because his great folly is led astray.
1: Why do people give up on Jesus? We just had the baptisms of Caitlin and Novena. They sounded so drawn to Jesus, didn't they? So wowed by him. Starting a relationship with Jesus is the best thing that you could possibly do. So why would anyone ever give up on him? That might sound like a strange question to ask as we come to the book of Proverbs, a book all about wisdom. But those of us who were here last week will have seen that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Uh, Wisdom begins by knowing God rightly. And we saw that Solomon himself ended up giving up on fear of the Lord. Even great King Solomon, the king who, who wanted wisdom more than anything else, gave up on the fear of the Lord. And so we have to ask, why would anybody do that? And to put it in modern terms, why would anybody give up on Jesus? Very often... It's sex. If you're a guest this evening, you probably already think that the church is obsessed with sex. It's the only thing that gets us into the headlines. Typical Christians banging on about how bad sex is. To which I want to say no, actually. In fact, sex is brilliant. Uh, We've been seeing recently in our sermons the wonderfully positive view of sex given in the Bible. There's more to come on that later today. But sex connects us to the person with whom we're having sex. We are intimately linked to that person. And if that person is someone who doesn't know Jesus, well, our heart will be turned away from him as well. When you start a new relationship, relationships with old friends can be strained, can't they? If you weren't all friends beforehand. And that's even more true with Jesus. If my heart is drawn to somebody who doesn't know Jesus... It will invariably be drawn away from him. And just as starting a relationship with Jesus is the best thing that you could do, ending a relationship with him is the single worst thing you could possibly do. Tragically, that is the route that great King Solomon took. You can see how it happened in 1 Kings 11, part of which is printed there on the handouts. Now King Solomon loved many foreign women who turned away his heart after other gods. Therefore the Lord said to Solomon, Since this has been your practice, and you have not kept my covenant and my statutes that I commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom from you, and will give it to your servant. A king Solomon, he, he married those who were forbidden to him, and they turned his heart away from the Lord, away from fear of the Lord, and therefore away from wisdom. And it is for this reason that the forbidden woman or the foreign woman is often presented as the great enemy of wisdom in Proverbs. Uh, You can see it from our passage in 5 verse 20. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress, or as the footnote there says it, a foreign woman? The point here is not a criticism of interracial relationships. The Bible is wildly positive about interracial relationships. Please come and ask me about that later. The issue with Solomon's wives is that they weren't followers of the Lord. They didn't fear the Lord. They followed other gods. And so Solomon's heart was turned away from the Lord, the forbidden woman in Proverbs, is the great enemy of wisdom because she turned Solomon's heart away from the Lord. And tragically, that is often true still today. That's why the Bible is clear about the dangers of sexual immorality. It's why there's a particular warning against Christians marrying those who aren't Christians. It will lead you away from Christ. And everybody thinks they're the exception. Oh, it won't be a problem for me. But if even wise King Solomon The second wisest person ever to have lived, if even he had his heart drawn away. Well, it takes a special someone to think that they take the top spot on wisdom. Of course, that means that we need help, which is exactly what this passage in Proverbs is here to offer. Let me warn us, it's not going to be easygoing. It's a heavy topic. You've probably got that from the intro. We're talking about serious things tonight. I'm aware that for some of us, it will be especially difficult But like a lifesaver course, this is worth paying attention to. About this time, 11 years ago, I was teaching an advanced life support course for doctors and nurses to learn how to resuscitate people. I take it, assuming I did my job right, the people who learned anything on that course have gone on to save countless lives. And yet, what we are doing this evening here together is far more significant Uh, Let's be ready to help one another stay awake. If you've got elbows at the ready, you might be a great service to those sitting near you. At the very least, can I encourage you to remember the very simple instruction at the top of the handout. Ponder the straight path. Ponder the straight path. We get this great introduction to the passage in 4 verse 20. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. And then verse 23... Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Like the rudder of a a large ship, your heart is, in Hebrew thinking, the control center of your life. It needs to be guarded because it can steer you in either the right direction or the completely wrong direction. If you leave your heart unguarded, you could end up careering off on the wrong path. And it is that path imagery which follows. Verse 24, Put away from you crooked speech, and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward, and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, and then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Ponder the path of your feet, we're told. Think about where you're headed. Think about the results of the course that you are taking. Uh, Yesterday evening, some of us gathered for drinks in Victoria Park, uh, and Ringo, who some of us will know, brought his electric skateboard. Now, I've never gone on a skateboard before, let alone one with a motor attached to it, but I thought, why not give it a go? And I have to say, I wasn't thinking about this talk, but it did provide a good illustration. (laughs) My balance, you'll all be disappointed to hear, was much better than we're all expecting but my direction could definitely have done with some improvements. My eyes were certainly not looking directly forwards, as we're encouraged here. I was focusing all of my attention on making sure I didn't just drop off, not fall to sleep, which some of you are thinking, but drop off the boards. If it weren't for the fact that the motor had a break, I would have crashed into various objects and several people. Not all of them at the 6 p.m., just random people in the park. But life doesn't have breaks. Life doesn't offer reruns. We need to think about where we're going. We need to ponder the path of our feet. Of course, for many of us, this isn't new. But the lesson of these verses isn't simply learned by hearing. We need to pay attention, to incline our ear, to lean in, to sit up, to listen, to ponder. That's why I think we're going to spend more time doing just that on Wednesday, this week. And it's why we need to listen, to think hard about whose voice we're listening to. As takes us to the next heading, beware the words of the wanderer. Beware the words of the wanderer. Let me read verse five, verse one. My son, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge. It's a similar introduction to 4 verse 20, but then we get verse 3. For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. Maybe you've heard that phrase before, honeyed words, soothing soft words that are designed to please. We picture this forbidden woman with honey dripping from her lips. Her every word is received as a sweet morsel. We're drawn to her, aren't we? Drawn to her sweetness. And her speech is smoother than oil. Uh, Elsewhere, this word is translated flattering. And she says just what you want to hear. And we're drawn in even more. Picture that ice cream that you were having this afternoon. It's my prediction. And tell me later, it was something else, hopefully sweet. Or instead, imagine that cool drink as it's sliding down your throat. And then you notice something strange in the aftertaste. Verse 4, in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Rather than honey, it's wormwood, a kind of poison. And rather than oil, it's a two-edged sword. We're lured in only to have her words unveiled as a dagger to our throat. It's worth saying, I don't think the point here is to blame the woman. The woman in verse 3 is not a typical woman or even an extreme example. She is a kind of personification here of sexual temptation, a vivid image to show how our libido could lead us astray. Indeed, for about half of this room, who might be feeling a bit excluded by the forbidden woman, she could just as easily be cast as the forbidden bloke the bloke with honeyed lips and oily speech. The point is not to blame any particular person, but to show how quickly we are led astray by what appears sweet, but is actually poison and death. Verse five, her feet go down to death, her steps follow the path to shale, the place of the dead. If we are to ponder the path of our feet, if we're to think about where we're heading, then it is no good listening to her because verse six, she does not ponder the path of life and so her ways wander and she doesn't know it. Next time you're putting honey in your porridge, imagine instead a spoonful of cyanide or next time you're rubbing some kind of moisturizer into dry skin, imagine instead a handful of razor blades. Our libido sees honey and oil but really it's death that is on offer. That's important to remember, isn't it? Because it won't sound like poison and death. Sexual temptation doesn't come to us with those warnings that you find on cigarette packets. Do you know the ones I'm talking about? Smoking gives you head and neck cancer with one of those horrible pictures to really put you off. It's a warning of where you are headed. But sexual temptation isn't worried about the route. She doesn't ponder the path of life. And so instead of a warning comes an incentive. This will be sweet, is all we hear. And before we know it, it's too late. So we need instead to hear the warning of the wise, the warning of the wise. Verse 7, And now, O sons, listen to me, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her, and do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your honor to others and your years to the merciless. Lest strangers take their fill of your strength and your labours go to the house of a foreigner. Don't go there, we are warned. Don't go there or you'll end up with everything taken from you. Your honour, your strength, your labours, they'll be taken from you. Now we'll all have seen the headlines just a couple of months ago with Neil Parrish, the MP of Tiverton and Honiton, who watched porn in Parliament. Maybe you've seen him describing that moment of madness. But the warning of these words has proven true, hasn't it? As the tabloid jackals descended, his honor was given to others, his years to the merciless. So it's over the issue of integrity that Boris has ultimately, everything's fallen apart from it, for him, hasn't it? Even if it wasn't his own indiscretions that got him in the end. And if this isn't just the case for those in the public eye. I think of the marriages which have been ruined, the lives which have fallen apart, the private torment of those wracked with guilt. Most of us will know those for whom this is their personal experience. Some in this room know it as your own testimony. And so we can picture that person in verse 12, can't we? How I hated discipline and my heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my instructors. I am at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. Be warned against it, we are told. And instead, drink the water of your own well. Drink the water of your own well. Verse 15. Drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. The point isn't anti-sex. The point is very pro-sex in its right place. Verse 16, should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. A picture of spring which scatters its water into a Middle Eastern dry, dusty street. We appreciate the blessing of cool water, don't we? Especially today, uh, when we finished, do run to the various water stations on either side of the church, you'll need it. How tragic if instead we just poured all of that water out into the, uh, into the street and got all mixed up with all the dirt and then evaporated in the sun. But that is what our culture encourages us to do with our sexuality. Sowing your wild oats has become this sort of light term to describe the sexual promiscuity that's expected of everybody nowadays. Solomon urges us to enjoy sex in its right place. Verse 18, "'Let your fountain be blessed "'and rejoice in the wife of your youth, "'a lovely deer, a graceful doe. "'Let her breasts fill you at all times with delight, "'be intoxicated always in her love. "'Why should you be intoxicated, my son, "'with a forbidden woman?' and embrace the bosom of an adulteress. A saving sex for marriage and being faithful within marriage. It is beautiful. It is glorious. It is the very purpose for which God has blessed us with his good gift of sex. Enjoy sex, but in the context that God designed it for, in the safety of its right place. If you're married, it's not hard to hear the application, is it? Rejoice in the wife of your youth. Believe that sex with your spouse is the only good, the only safe context for sex. It is important to hear, isn't it? Because the lips of the forbidden woman drip honey. And even those of us who are single, which is most of us, I guess, here, including myself, We need to believe that God's design for sex is better. That this is what God has designed sex for. This is where sex is beautiful and enjoyable. Take it out of this context and you ruin such a great gift. It is impossible to count the lives that have been ruined by sex taken out of the context for which God designed it. The pandemic of pornography, the multiplication of adultery, The default assumption nowadays that marriage will, for more more often than not, lead to divorce. I was speaking a while ago to a friend who complained about the Christian teaching on sex and marriage, prizing instead the advances of the sexual revolution. And I simply pointed to the objective facts of our culture and asked whether he really thought it was a universal good. Of course there have been advances, genuine steps in a good direction. We need to acknowledge that there has been great good that has been accomplished as part of the sexual revolution. But are we really pleased with where we've ended up? Even secular authors are starting to wake up to this. One of the students recently pointed my attention to The Case Against the Sexual Revolution by Louise Perry. As she is a columnist for the New Statesman. as She is hardly somebody who's a great fan of Christianity, and yet she has written a book with titles like Loveless Sex is Not Empowering, Consent is Not Enough, People Are Not Products, Marriage is Good, Her Conclusion is Listen to Your Mother. You could read that. I haven't yet, but I've read the contents page. (laughs) Even in a world that hates wisdom, the wisdom of the Lord, They're starting to recognize that this book is truly wise. And even aside from the immediate consequences of what happens in this life, we are reminded in verse 21 that God is watching. Verse 21 For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. The Lord is watching. Even that hidden sin that we think we got away with is under the gaze of the Lord. Even if we aren't pondering our path, there will come a day when the one who ponders all paths will tell us what he saw. Justice will be done. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. I mentioned Solomon at the start, and I wonder if you see how this applies especially to him. Could you hear those verses from 1 Kings 11 ringing all the way through? 4 verse 23, keep your heart with all vigilance. And Solomon, whose wives turned away his heart after other gods. Or 5 verse 9, lest you give your honor to others. Wasn't that what happened to Solomon as God tore from him the kingdom? Can you picture Solomon after he's been told this by the Lord, standing before the congregation of Israel, knowing that God has promised he's going to tear it from him. Now can't you picture him falling to his knees and sobbing his way through 5 verse 12? How I hated discipline and my heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my instructors. I am at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. Do you see why this passage of Proverbs is so significant, why well, I consider that what we are doing this evening is more significant than that advanced life support course I taught 11 years ago. Now, those doctors and nurses, they might be putting into practice still what I told them, hey, they've probably forgotten it, but what we are talking about here is eternal life and eternal death, about lives ruined or lives saved for eternity, This is what happened to Solomon on the brink of utter ruin. His great kingdom torn from him. His back turned to the Lord. This is what has happened to so many down the centuries. Those who listened to honeyed words and gave up on the Lord who offered them life. This is what has happened to so many known to us. And isn't it true also of us in this room? at least in some sense, even if we haven't gone to the adulterer, aren't there things that we have said and thought and done which betray our failure in this area? And We confessed earlier, we have sinned against God in thought and word and deed, in the evil we have done and in the good we have not done, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate faults. All of us are guilty in the area of sexual sin, And I include myself in that. And maybe you're feeling the tight cords of verse 22, especially keenly this evening. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him and he is held fast in the cords of his sin. If you've been sat through this talk with that weight heavy around your neck, don't think that you're the only one. Ponder the straight path. It's so essential and yet we We've already gone astray. We've already wandered. Ponder the straight path. It's essential, but it's not enough. Uh, we must also, as we start to draw to a close, ponder the king's path. Ponder the king's path. Uh, Solomon is the king who failed to heed this wisdom, but there is a king who did ponder the straight path, who, for verse 23, kept his heart with all vigilance who, verse 24, put away from himself crooked speech and devious talk. He did let his eyes look directly forwards. He did ponder the path of his feet. He did not swerve to the right or to the left. King Jesus, whose faithfulness has been the focus of all of our time together this evening, he is the one who listened to the instruction of Proverbs 4 and 5 and who obeyed all the way. But his is not that sort of smug faithfulness that looks down on us with disdain. No, his is the faithfulness that took him all the way to the cross. Though he was faithful, even because he was faithful, he suffered in our place to pay for our unfaithfulness. As Luke said, because of his faithfulness, we can have forgiveness. That's what those who were baptized earlier declared to us, isn't it? We are those who, 5 verse 23, die for lack of discipline. And because of our great folly, we are led astray. Indeed, as Luke reminded us from Isaiah, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to our own way. But do you remember how that quote from Isaiah ended? The Lord has laid on him, on Jesus, the iniquity of us all. Those cords of sin that bind you, that weight around your neck, is taken by Jesus on your behalf. In his short book, Purposeful Sexuality, Ed Shaw puts it like this. We get to swap our sexual histories with Jesus. He gets all our sexual sins, our lust, fantasies, porn addiction, sex outside marriage, selfish sex within marriage, sexual abuse, Sexual repression, only you will know precisely what he bears for you. And what do we get in return? We get all of Jesus' sexual purity. We get Jesus' perfect sexual history. I mentioned earlier my performance on the electric skateboard. This is probably the last time that we'll get mentioned. <laughs> Ringo, on the other hand, who owns the electric skateboard, well, he's much better, isn't he? Um, Perhaps you'll have seen on Instagram some footage of him uh, catching an American football while moving forwards on the skateboard. I was nowhere near up to that. I sort of want my face photoshopped onto that footage so that I can get all the credit. In the gospel, that's the sort of thing we're being offered. Jesus takes our sin and his perfect performance is credited to us. Ponder the king's path. And know that whoever you are, whatever you have done, those who trust in Christ are credited with his performance. In a moment, we are going to sing a song which expresses this really well. It would be wonderful to have the words put up on the screen. No fate I dread. I know I am forgiven. The future sure, the price it has been paid. For Jesus bled and suffered for my pardon, and he was raised to overthrow the grave. To this I hold, my sin has been defeated. Jesus, now and ever, is my plea. Oh, the chains are released. I can sing, I am free. Yet not I, but through Christ in me. Ponder the king's path and know that whoever you are, whatever you've done, those who trust in Christ are credited with his perfect performance but it is only for those who trust in Christ. As we genuinely do close now, I said that a few minutes ago, we really are near the end now. But can you see why a relationship with Jesus is the most important thing in the world? And maybe you're a visitor here, having never checked out Jesus as an adult, find out from someone near you how you can hear more from him. But even if you are a Christian, can you see why it matters that you stick with him? that you ponder the path of your feet. Not because our performance, our sexual purity gets us into heaven, but because his does. And we want to avoid anything that might lead us away from him. Ponder the king's path. Ponder both king's paths. King Solomon, the second wisest person who ever lived, he was drawn away. He turned his back on the Lord because he listened to the, voice of the, to the words of the wanderer. But King Jesus, the one who was wiser still, he listened to these verses and he remained faithful. Which of those two paths do you want to follow? It's as if we hear this invitation again, but now from the lips of Jesus himself. 4 verse 20. 4 verse 26. Ponder the path of your feet. Whose words are you listening to? Whose words do you want to listen to? The words of the wanderer or the words of Jesus? Let me lead us in a prayer. Our Father, we want to confess our failure in this area, our sin against you. We are so aware that we are not the perfect people that we long to pretend. And so we thank you for the Lord Jesus and we praise you that he is the perfect one, that he is the wise one, that he is the faithful one. And we pray that we would be those who depend on his faithfulness, who depend on his death in our place and who cling to him, who remain loyal to him, and who walk with him all our days. For we ask it in Jesus' name, amen.